thank you for being with us tonight as we turn our attention to the Word of God as I preach part three in the sermon series called The Road to Easter. The Road to Easter. Lord, add the blessing to the preaching and the proclamation of Your Word. Let it go forth to soil that is receptive today. Most of all, I pray that we would be faithful and fruitful. And everyone shouted a great big, Amen. Many significant days have occurred in the history of humanity. Many significant days. Days that have changed the course of history. One day can certainly make a difference. For example, if you look at church history, one day can make a difference. On October the 31st, 1517, a Catholic priest by the name of Martin Luther nailed 95 points to a church door in Germany, which started the great reformation of the church. From that very day, the church of Jesus Christ has never been the same. If you look at American history, on July the 4th, 1776, the course of American history was changed when 13 colonies declared their independence from British rule. One day can make a difference. My friends, we are here today because we all believe that Good Friday made a difference. Not only in history, not only in the world, but we believe that Good Friday made a difference in every one of us. Millions of people throughout the world are commemorating the death of Jesus. Whether they be Catholic, whether they be Orthodox or Protestant, all of us today are brought together because we believe in this man called Jesus the Christ. I want you just to ponder for a few moments about a thought. Have you ever thought about what concerns God? What really concerns God? As I read the Scriptures, I want to propose a challenge to you this evening. That if you look at the Scriptures, one of the things that concerns God is the forgetfulness of people. I want you to think about that. Especially in the Old Testament. Over and over in the Old Testament, God was concerned that His people would be forgetful. He was very concerned about that. In fact, if you read the Scripture, God would tell His people in the Old Testament, I want you to build a memorial. I want you to build an altar. And I want you to write upon the memorial or the altar an inscription so that your children's children would remember who I am. Over and over, God was concerned about the forgetfulness of his people. For instance, I don't want to bore your time, but let me just let me just back my point up. 
For instance, the Bible says in Joshua chapter 4, verse 6, I want you to see what happens in this story. This is the people of God after they came over the Jordan. And this is what it's recorded. God said that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What does these stones mean? Then ye shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When, when it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. God was concerned that they would forget that it was Him who brought them out of Egypt through the Jordan and to the promised land. Set some stones up and let it be a memorial to you and to your children that it was I that brought you through. For instance, the book of Deuteronomy is filled with Scripture to tell us to never forget. In this context, it speaks of the children of Israel. Not to forget that when you get blessed of the Lord, don't forget that it was really me that caused you to be blessed. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 10. So it shall be that when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which and which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of good things which you did not feel, hewned out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. And when you have eaten and are full, look at verse 12, then beware, lest you forget that the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage, don't forget me when you get blessed. Don't forget me when you come into the land of prosperity, the land flowing with milk and honey. Don't forget me. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, look at verse number 20. He says, And when your sons ask you in time to come, saying, What is the meaning of these testimonies, these statues and judgments, which the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. God is saying, I want your children to remember when they look at these statues, when they look at these physical memorials, I want it to remind them that it was me. Your children's children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. I want you to build a memorial so when they look at it, they will ask one another, what is the purpose of this memorial? And then they will say, this is to remind us that we were brought out of the land of Egypt and God brought us out by His mighty hand. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 19, Moses even said it like this, that it shall be that if any of you forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. Don't forget. Because if you forget, you will perish. If you forget, you will perish. I'm wondering what concerns God. I believe it's the 
forgetfulness of people. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying this, that the point of those Scriptures I just read was that God said, number one, I don't want you to forget that I did this for you. And number two, I don't want you to forget that this is also for future generations. Don't forget that I did it. And also this memorial is for future generations that they too will not forget and that they will remember me. Good Friday, my friends, is about us remembering the greatest day that's ever occurred. It's about us telling the future generations what happened. The reason that we have children to participate in services and children to read the story and the children to sing and shout and dance and proclaim the Easter story because this is a memorial to our children that they should ask, what is the purpose of Easter? And you, my friends, should tell them that God brought us out of sin by his mighty hand. Easter is about us remembering the greatest story ever told. You see, Jesus said in Luke chapter 22, verse 19, at the Passover, Jesus said this, and I quote, and he took bread, gave thanks and broke it, gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Could it be that Jesus established the greatest act of love, the greatest sacrament? This is the memorial. This is the altar. That when your children's children look at it, they ask you, what is the meaning of this? And we reply, this is the greatest story ever told. The forgetfulness of people. Have you ever, have you ever noticed how forgetful we are? I mean, it affects the old and the young and the middle aged. We all have a problem with forgetting things. As a matter of fact, I mean, we'll get sticky notes. We'll get pads of paper. We'll get our phone to remind us. We'll even write on napkins things to remind us that we don't forget. The communion table is the sticky note of 2021. The communion table is the pad of paper. The communion table is the cell phone to remind us. The communion table is the napkin that we scribble on. It is to remind us of the greatest act of love. What should we remember about Good Friday? I mean, what is important about Good Friday that we should remember very quickly. 
I want to propose to you some things that you should remember on Good Friday. Number one, I want you to remember that Good Friday is the great reversal. Good Friday is the great reversal. Old Testament contained is New Testament explained. What happened in the Old Testament, Jesus has come to reverse the fall of humanity. There is a first Adam of the Old Testament and Old Covenant, but there is also the second Adam, the Adam that reverses what the first Adam did. For instance, let me remind you that Easter is the great reversal. Jesus goes to the garden to be obedient to the Father, undoing what Adam and Eve's disobedience in the garden. Adam and Eve hides behind a tree, naked and covered in shame. But Jesus hangs on a tree, naked and conquers shame. Adam and Eve begin in a paradise, but they were forced outside the gates of paradise due because of the curse. But Jesus dies outside of the gates of the city and ends up in paradise because of the cross. Adam and Eve's sin ushered in the curse of the thorns. But Jesus wears a crown of thorns as He ushers in salvation from sin. Sin started on a tree, but it was also conquered on a tree. Easter is the great reversal. Easter reverses what the first Adam did. And my friends, we are reminded of the great reversal. We are reminded of the great exchange. We are reminded that whatever the enemy tried to do, Jesus has come to undo it and set us free. Somebody say amen. Easter is the great reversal. Number two. I want you to remember tonight, I want you to shake yourself from spiritual amnesia. I want you to be reminded of Good Friday. I want you to be reminded of Easter. Number two, avoiding the pain doesn't make things easier. Now just stay with me for a moment. What do I mean by avoiding the pain doesn't make things easier? I'm reminded of a scripture, the gospel, the gospel of John. All the gospels tell the crucifixion. Some of them give more details than others. But pay attention to this detail in John chapter number 19 and beginning with verse number 25. This is the scene of the crucifixion. And the Bible gives us an indication who stands at the cross. The Bible says in verse 25, Now there stood by the cross Jesus, His mother, mother's, His mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw His mother and the disciple whom He loved standing by, He said to His mother, Woman, behold your son. Then He said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own house. 
I, I want you to ponder, number two, I want you to remember that not only is, is Easter, Good Friday, the great reversal, but number two, avoiding the pain doesn't make things easier. You see, according to our text, there was only five people standing at the foot of the cross. Mary, his mother, his aunt, Mary's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, Mary Magdalene, and Jesus's best friend, John, whom he loved. John, the disciple who was with him all the way to the very end. Five, five people. I've read this story over and over, but my mind can't comprehend this. Five people. The height of Jesus' ministry attracted at least 5,000 men at one time, not including women and children. I want to propose this question to you tonight. Where were the others? What about the other ten disciples? Where were they? What about the woman with the issue of blood? Blind Barnabas. Why were they not there? Oh, maybe their hopes were dashed. Maybe they thought that maybe Jesus wasn't who he said he was. Maybe my healing is just a fragment of my imagination. Certainly Rome couldn't kill a great man like this. Where were the 5,000 people who showed up on the Judean hillside to get a fish sandwich? Where were they? Why was there only five people there? Certainly Jesus had many others. What about Lazarus? Mary. Martha. Remember, Jesus was very close to that family. As a matter of fact, they were so close, they had dinner together all the time. Where were they? For years, as I've studied the Scriptures, I wanted to condemn these people. I wanted to get mad at these people. I wanted to get mad at Peter. Because Peter stood up and said, I'll never leave you, Lord. Everybody else may stumble, but I will never leave you. Where was he? In my heart, at times when I read this narrative, I wanted to get upset. I wanted to get really angry at Peter and get really angry at the disciples. I wanted to get angry at the multitudes. They wasn't there at the most critical time of his life. But this, this evening, I have come to let them off of the hook. I've come to let all of them off the hook. Because maybe, just maybe, and I'm inferring, but just go with me. But just maybe, they didn't show up because maybe they wasn't there because it was too hard to watch somebody that you love die. Maybe that's why they didn't show up. Maybe it's because they wanted to avoid seeing the crucifixion. Maybe it's because they wanted to avoid seeing him suffer and gasp for his air. You see, my friends, maybe they didn't show up because it's hard to watch somebody that you love 
die. Can you empathize with them? Have you ever stood at a bedside and somebody is dying? It rips your heart out. You see, in times like that, we want to avoid it, don't we? We want to act like it's not happening. We want to create a narrative in our heart and our mind that's against reality. But maybe that's what these disciples were feeling. I don't want to show up because I can't watch to see the person that I love die. You see, just maybe that's what they thought. Just maybe. How can you call it a Good Friday when all there is is betrayal, torture, suffering, anguish? How can we call it a Good Friday? We can call it a Good Friday because we're so removed from it in time and space that we now, in this century, can look back and see what God was doing in that particular season of life. And thus, we can proclaim it's good because now we look back and we see what God was doing. But I promise you, if I could raise the dead tonight and raise the apostles from the dead, and raise those Galilean believers from the dead, not one of them would say it was a good day. Because sometimes when we are in the pain of life, we cannot see. And sometimes we refuse to see what God is doing in us and through us. And sometimes it takes years later for us to look back and say, you really were there all the time. You see, my point is, you can't avoid the pain. You can't avoid the crosses of life. You can't avoid the pain of life. Avoiding doesn't make things go away. And it certainly doesn't make things easier. Can I propose something to you? We went through the hardest year of a pandemic, that we could not see our loved ones. We could not assemble. We could not fellowship. We could not touch each other. We could not hug each other. We cannot avoid the pain of life. But these five people, I'm not going to rat out the others. I understand their heart. But these five people showed up at the crucifixion because they decided to face the pain. They decided to face the pain. Mary, Mary Magdalene, John, the disciple, looked at him in his face. They decided to face the pain because they realized, I can go run from it. I can say that this is not happening. I could say that they're not really killing him and they're not really crucifying him, but I've decided to show up and face it. Because avoiding the pain doesn't make things easier. And in this pandemic, some of us couldn't hug 
we couldn't embrace. We may sometimes be physically distant, but that doesn't mean we need to be socially distant. She came and said, although I can't touch you, I want to see you. My friends, avoiding the pain doesn't make things easier. I want you to remember that number one, Good Friday is about the great reversal. Number two, I want you to be reminded that avoiding the pain in life doesn't make things easier. And number three, I want to remind you that victory is found in perseverance. Now, I want you to call your attention to this scripture, Matthew chapter 27, verse 42. And the Bible says, and I quote, those around the cross said this, he saved others himself. He cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. My friends, listen to this preacher tonight. They said they would believe him. That he was the son of God if he would come down from the cross. And tonight, we believe that he is the son of God. Because he stayed on the cross. Did you hear what I said? They said that if he come down, we would believe you. But 2,000 years later, we thank God he stayed on the cross. So what are you saying, preacher? I am saying this. That because Jesus stayed on the cross... Victory was achieved because he stayed on it. He persevered. He didn't come down. He made it through it. And as a result of that, victory was achieved. My friends, sometimes Jesus won't take all the pain away. Sometimes Jesus won't take all the crosses away. Sometimes we don't understand everything. But listen to me. Don't come down from the cross. Listen to me. People will tell you, oh, give up. People will tell you, oh, just come down. People will say it's not worth it. You're not making a difference. I'm telling you today to stay on the cross. Because victory is achieved when you Stay on the cross when you persevere. He himself, he cannot save. The greater question is, has he saved you? How can you hang on the cross suspended between heaven and earth? And not relieve yourself of the agony. The writer of Hebrews tells us how. Hebrews 12 verse 2 and I quote, Having, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand 
of the throne of God. I want you to remember today that number one, I don't want you to forget that Good Friday is about the great reversal. Number two, I want you to remember that avoiding the pain doesn't make things better. I want you to remember that victory is found in perseverance. Number four, I want you to remember that you may perish with Christ even when you're close beside Him. I'm reminded of Luke chapter 23, verse 39, and I quote, Then one of the criminals who were hung was hanging there, blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering, rebuking him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed just, we indeed justly, for we have received our due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. We celebrate that Jesus provided salvation to the man that repented on the cross. But I propose to you today, what about the other man? That man had the same opportunity. He was close to Jesus. And in the end, he perished. Could it be that thousands are worshiping this Jesus tonight and through the weekend? They're close to crucifixes. They're close to tables of communion. They're close in cathedrals and underground churches. But just because you're close doesn't mean you're connected. One lost his soul. He was close to the cross, but far from the blood. It reminds us tonight that you may, be, you may perish with Christ even when you're close to Him. Number five, and I'm closing. I want you to remember that Good Friday is not final. That Fridays are not final. Can somebody say amen? On Good Friday, the Bible says that He was crucified at the place of the skull. That's a dirty place. And when He was crucified, the heavens rendered blackness and the earth quaked. He died at the place of the skull, a dirty place. He hung between heaven and earth in darkness. Dirty. Darkness. My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Destitute. And in the midst of all of that, Jesus said to the man on the cross, Today you will be with me in paradise. Brother Ingo, do you know what Jesus was saying? Friday is almost over, so get prepared for a celebration. I'm telling you today, Jesus said today. That means it's coming to an end. 
Friday is coming to an end. And I promise you that whatever you are facing today, whatever is ripping your heart out, Fridays only last to a certain amount of time. Fridays really come to an end. Fridays don't last forever. Number six and my last point. I want you to remember that at the foot of the cross, we all become family. At the foot of the cross. Now, Jesus is hanging there and he says, Mother, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. You see, none of Jesus' brothers or sisters or cousins were there. His aunt was there. His cousins wasn't there. His disciples were not there except for the one. His brothers were not there. And in Jewish custom, if your father is dead, then the oldest child is to take care of their mother. Jesus said that when you get married, you, you leave your family and cleave to your wife. But Jesus did not say that you are to abandon your family. He took care of his mother. And it's interesting to me that the man that he gave his mother to was not his flesh and blood. It wasn't his family. But you see, he said, I want you, John, you've been with me. You've stayed with me. And I want you to take care of my mama. I'm getting ready to die. My mom don't understand it all. My mama had a vision of the angel 33 and a half years ago, but see, she forgets. She forgets my purpose. She's forgetting why I came. Just like we forget. And I want you to take my mama. And I want you to console her and be with her as they take my body down from the cross and put it in a borrowed tomb. Be there for my mama. Because at the foot of the cross, we all become family. At the foot of the cross, it's not about if you're my blood. At the foot of the cross, we are now entrusted to take care of one another because now we are all family united by His blood and not our natural blood. Boy, that, you, that should have made you shout right there. We all become family at the foot of the cross. Timothy Keller, my favorite author, said it like this, and I quote, Every other world religion was founded by a man who said, Follow me and you will find God. Christianity is the only religion that was founded by a man who said, I'm God, I've come to find you. And because Christians believe that the very nature of God is love, according to God's bizarre otherworldly logic, the way to find, to come find us, was to embrace what is most bitter about the human experience, suffering, agony, and loss. See, my friends, the cross doesn't change God's mind about us. The cross 
doesn't change God's mind about us. There was never a time that God was ever against us. The cross changes our mind about God. I pray that you would be delivered from spiritual amnesia. As we come to this table, in the Old Testament, God said, I want you to make a memorial, make some stones, make an altar, and remember me. So that when your children will look at it, they'll ask, what is the meaning of this? And you will tell them that I was the one that brought you out. Look at this table tonight. This is our memorial. For 2,000 years, pastors, prophets, preachers have stood behind this table. And they have reminded their congregations that this is the memorial we should never forget. The world drinks to forget, but the church drinks to remember. Come to the table and let us remember the greatest story ever known to the human race. Jesus, the Son of God, given for the world. May the Lord add the blessing to the preaching of the word of God. And the church said, and the church said,